Welcome to the Mystic Access Podcast, where the magic is in learning. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the April 20th episode of the Mystic Access Podcast. She's Kim. He's Chris. And we have some things to talk about or have a lively discussion. But first, we're going to talk about the class that is coming up next week. And that is a class on favorites. So we're going to talk about different ways one can access their favorites in different browsers. We may talk about Chrome, Edge, of course, they're pretty much the same. And then Firefox and even a third-party add-on that we talked about before for your favorites. Absolutely. And we can even talk about some more low-tech ways to keep those favorites organized. So if you aren't really interested in using the built-in options available to add favorites, then we can give you other options for things that you might wish to do to make those easily accessible to you personally. Remember something important here. It's that your way isn't necessarily going to be everybody else's way and vice versa. If you, for instance, don't care about efficiency, if you don't care about how fast you get somewhere, (laughs) then a low-tech way might work perfectly fine for you in order to access a favorite. However, if you're having to use favorites for your job or bookmarks, something like that, then same thing applies. You want to be efficient. You want to be fast. You want to be able to pull up something very quickly for your convenience and for productivity, for making sure that your time is used in the best way possible. So these are all things we'll discuss and talk about as we move forward with this topic. We think it'll be a lot of fun and we think there'll be a lot that you can benefit from and you can probably teach us a few things too. We might have ideas and suggestions that we haven't thought of. So we always love hanging out with you after class to find out your opinions and ideas and thoughts on some of these things and how you get the job done yourself in terms of adding your favorites. And remember, a favorite doesn't necessarily just have to be used as a favorite website. There are other ways to use favorites as well, where you can organize things that aren't necessarily things you love, but things you need. So we'll talk about all that during class. And I will be sending something out to the events newsletter probably Monday. So after you've listened to this, you'll have time hopefully to check that out if you are on our events list. So we'll be sending you joining information and you can come and hang out with us. We would love to have you. And the event will take place on April 29th. That he didn't is... think about that one. The yes, month is did. almost gone. It is. It is almost gone. In the last episode of the podcast, we kind of teased about an event coming up this summer. Well, unfortunately, we couldn't make what we want to happen happen. So that will be in the next podcast. Yeah, we're trying to get some audio put together for you guys and just have a little fun little thing for you for announcing that event. We will get to that in the next episode. We've been running around like crazy people and that hasn't happened. But if you want to join us prior to that event, definitely join us for this one if you wish on the 29th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. If you are not part of our events list currently, they're only emails that we send out to you. So it's not a two-way list. (laughs) And we send these emails out when we have an event coming up, either a free or paid event. So you're welcome to join us on the 29th for this call. So yes, we will learn more about our upcoming summer event later so next episode we promise it will be there but we really just needed to get this episode out get it ready and unfortunately things worked out in such a way where we had to do it on a time crunch so 
that did not happen. We want to make that fun for you guys. And if you know what it is already, do not tell your friends. <laughs> Let it be a surprise. So let's talk a little bit about Braille displays. So the first Braille display that I ever used was the Navigator. And this is a Braille display that obviously wouldn't function on today's computers, but this is, it was a 20 cell Braille display. And that was one of the first ones that I ever put my hands on. Now, who made this? Telesensory Incorporated. Ah, yes. Okay. TSI. That takes me way back. Yes, it does. <laughs> so they had that Braille display and, and there were other Braille displays that we had in the past growing up. The next one that I had was a Braille light. And I thought it was the coolest thing in the world to have the Braille and speak with a little Braille display. And I had a 40. So I had a Braille light 40 and that was kind of cool. And then we moved on to the Braille notes. And you're wondering, okay, why are we going to talk about <laughs> All of these old Braille displays. Well, the thing is that Braille displays evolve over time, and some of them are note takers, and some of them are just plain Braille displays. Some of them these days are also hybrid Braille displays. They do more than just connect to your computer. Absolutely. They're really productivity tools now. My boyfriend at the time, back in the day, had a Braille light as well. And I was insanely jealous and wanted it very badly. And of course, I didn't get it. We lived several hours. It just was not happening. But I didn't get to play with it very much. It was cool because it was a very fun thing to utilize. I did not get my first Braille display until I was 18. And that was one of the first Braille Note classics. So that gives you a little bit of an idea of my age. And it was awesome. I mean, at the time, it was the thing going. I got one of the first ones that came out. and. It was amazing. The thing about it was, though, it offered so much that it was a little overwhelming for me. It was a little intense. Like, wow, all of a sudden going from having no Braille display to having this thing that offers note taking and appointments and contacts and all the various things that it did. I primarily use it as a note taker. Chris will remember this and many of you will as well. You remember the days when we used to talk about our Braille display being a PDA? <laughs> that's, that's what the big thing was that's what everyone talked about was oh it's it's my braille pda you know essentially and that was because that's what we did we took them in place of our computers or we took them to use with gps which of course you know all about and we took them to maybe hook up to our computers and utilize as a braille monitor so there were lots of ways we can do it but they come in a whole bunch of different flavors. You have a lot of options. And if you have the good fortune to be able to pick what you want in terms of a Braille display, you can pick, well, what functionality do I need? What feature set do I want? And one of the things that it often comes down to for people is how many cells do you want? Do you want a 20? Do you want a 40? They even had the little Braille pens that had 12 cells, so teeny tiny. And HumanWare recently had the Brilliant BI-14, which is almost that small as well. And so you may want a different Braille display depending on what you are going to do. If you're reading intensely all day, every day, doing data management or something like that, you may want a 40 or even an 80 cell Braille display if you have the opportunity to get one. So there's a lot to unpack here. Let's talk a little bit going back in time on the Braille displays. There was even one that had a single cell and that was the Braille Mate by TSI. 
I've always so, heard the story from half of you, and I always laugh every time I hear it because I never got to see one of these critters, and they just seems both counterintuitive and hilarious to me, but kind of fun too. If I can remember my brain and dust off the cobwebs there, <laughs> it kind of looked like or reminded me of a Braille and Speak, but between dots one and four was a single cell. And what was the refresh rate on the single cell? When you moved it. <laughs> <laughs> in a way it was kind of cool but in a way it was kind of different like if you were in the menu you got the first letter of the menu item so if you wanted to turn off speech which you could do you could totally use this single cell display and it even had a auto scroll so it would scroll through your stuff so that you can read it character by character so you weren't moving your hand you were leaving your finger on that display as the years go by, your Braille display will change depending on the needs of the customers. Last podcast, we had a Castle interview with Andrew Flatters and Peter Tusick from Humanware, and they talked all about the new Brilliant BI series of Braille displays. Remember when, when you dealt with a Braille display? Even with the old Braille notes, the old classics and empowers and stuff, and how the thumb keys and the keyboards and everything were seriously clickety-clack? Every time you can breathe on it wrong and it would click. Well, that doesn't happen so much these days. Due to the nature of what a Braille display is and how it's created, you're always going to hear that click with that refresh rate. But they have decreased in volume specifically over the years. And the difference nowadays, at least with these new Brilliance, and even with the Braille Note Touch to a degree, is that when you press a thumb key, for instance, or you press enter or backspace or type, your keys are not as audible as they were. There used to be people could look at you and go, there's the chick with the Braille display. There's a blind chick in the meeting. You know, you were automatically known. You're automatically sticking out. You're, you were other in that respect because you had your device. And it was louder. Even if all your friends or colleagues had computers around you, yours was louder. <laughs> and depending on how your typing style is, it may have been significantly louder. If you're somebody who pounds on keys if you're one of us who grew up in the age of the Perkins and you were always having to slam down your keys and that transferred over to using Braille displays and it's a habit. <clears throat> Can you tell I'm speaking slightly from personal experience that you've never been able to completely break, <laughs> form a new habit about that? Then, you know, you may be one of those people that may be happening to you. So that's one advantage of the things that we've seen through the years that has happened in terms of the physical hardware. Keyboards are softer they're quieter the way those keys engage are better and it's also a smoother typing experience they don't appear as clunky as they once did back in the day i remember the braille light you heard that thing from across the room refreshing it was loud <laughs> the navigator was probably just as loud if not louder mm -hmm. so we're just going to talk for a couple of minutes about some of the newer braille displays that we have had the opportunity to play with and it just gives you a thought and it's not going to be a full review or anything but we're just going to kind of talk about why we like what we have and what we think of the displays that we have here's an interesting thing about chris many of you know that braille is not his first mode of communication as a result of that you're somebody who's kind of used the Braille display pretty minimally in terms of reading text and things like that. You might use it occasionally during the day to check something out or something. But over the last few weeks, I've noticed a change 
in your work in terms of you utilizing the Braille display that you're currently using and using it more often to check your work and even as a standalone device, not necessarily by itself, but with a computer with speech off. And that's why I say a standalone device. So you've been doing a lot more with your Braille display in the last few weeks than you have in the 10 years I've known you. So I'm quite impressed. What brought that on? It is a device that I can use as my keyboard. And it is a Q-Braille from Hims that I have been playing with. And it allows me to not have to learn all kinds of screen reader specific commands to navigate around the computer. You can use your Alt F4, for example, to exit an application. You can also use Control S to save a document. So instead of having to learn these different commands that your screen reader has, this device will allow you to use those keys in a familiar way. And it also allows you to type in grade two braille on the display as well. So you can also use this as a standalone device. It's not just a display. It's a full-fledged note taker, which you can have calendar entries and all kinds of things in it. Is there any chance that you'll use it that way? Or is this primarily going to continue to be strictly a monitor type thing? It's probably going to be strictly a monitor type of thing using the iPhone. I got it connected to my iPhone, my iPad, and I can seamlessly switch between those two devices. I've even connected it to a Chromebook and was able to play with it on the Chromebook, which was a really, really nice thing to be able to just Bluetooth this Braille display up. And there's the Braille display on the Chromebook. Speaking of Chromebooks, on April 12th, Chris did a really nice Chromebook presentation for the Tech Talk community. So if you're interested in checking that out, if it's up already, I will make a point to drop a link in the show notes. It won't be when they immediately come out, but I can do it later this week so you guys can hear it. And I know you were using your Braille display a bit to work on that presentation and get it ready to go. Yes, and I showed them how to connect the Braille display. Not completely connect it, but connect it via Bluetooth. So I was able to show them that, yes, you can connect your Braille display to a Chromebook. And speaking of that, that's one of the huge enhancements that we've had in display technology is Bluetooth and the ability to use a Bluetooth connection or in the case of many displays, multiple Bluetooth connections now. So you can do that seamless switching you were talking about. Back in the day, of course, you have one USB device and that was it. <laughs> and that was essentially all you could do. So you hook it up to your computer and you're good to go. Because, of course, at that time, there was no hooking it up to your phone. There was no using it with your phone. The advantage of a USB connection is normally it just works. You plug it in and it just yeah. works. You had I actually had to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Were you thinking about what I was about to say? Yeah. I had an experience yesterday, actually, that brings that home. My audio driver on my computer has seemingly gone out. We were trying to fix it and can't figure it out. So I had a headset connected. I don't know if it completely blew it up or what, but it's completely gone. And my computer's audio is completely gone. But I had NVDA on. So all I did was I grabbed a Braille display and hooked it up using a USB-C port on my computer. Turned it on, plugged it in, went to where I needed to go on the Braille display itself. Boom. I was able to read my computer. I was able to use my Braille display and my keyboard to get me precisely where I needed to go and turn speech back on through a new headset that I had connected via another USB port on my computer. So that saved me yesterday. Yeah, and all you really had to do was restart the screen reader and the screen reader automatically in 
some cases detected that braille display. Absolutely. Now, and I think I did have to restart it anyway because the way my computer was, it was kind of in an unusable state, at least in terms of speech. So that really does help. If your, if your braille display is hooked up via USB and it's not seeing it for some reason, that's a trick to try. Let's go ahead and restart your braille display and see if it just talks to each other that way. Yeah, and you didn't have your braille display connected. You never connected it to the computer before, right? Oh, yes. I think I had connected it to the computer before at least once, but I didn't do anything to it. It didn't have any kind of magical thing where it saw, oh, yeah, she's connected this before. She's connecting it again. It was strictly like you said before, play. I think I had connected it once, but I'm not going to even swear to that. It's possible, but I don't, I'm not going to swear that I didn't. It's a very new display, and I don't know. So, yeah, I mean, it shows that in an emergency situation like I was in, that's the perfect solution because you may not have speech, but you can still, quote, see, quote, what is going on on your computer, just like anybody would with a screen, you got the Braille display to troubleshoot. Right. And sometimes with the Braille display, you have to have drivers connected Yes, in order for it to work. And even the screen readers themselves these days are becoming a little bit smarter and they're automatically detecting the Braille display when you connect. And I know the Mac's done that for quite a while. If it's supported, you can connect it via USB and voiceover just says, oh, hello, you're here. And uh, you can connect it that way. So that's really, really nice. The Mac was kind of the innovator in that line in terms of doing that. The Mac did it first and best in terms of the beginning stages of that, for sure. So what Braille display was this? This was the Brilliant BI-40X. So this is the new larger of the Brilliant Sisters that was just released by Hewenware. And I really love it. I use it for a lot of things. And as of later this week, I'll be using it for more things because I'll actually have a chance to sit down with it and actually maybe read a book, which is something I've been able to do in months. And those of you who have gotten to know me know that that is not a happy Kim when she doesn't get to read her book. But I really like it because it offers... Note-taking functionality. This is one of those Braille displays, like you were saying earlier, that it's not just a Braille display, but it's not the Braille note. You know, it doesn't have that functionality, but it still will allow me to read my books and take scratch notes and do things like that. I wouldn't necessarily format the Great American Novel on it. It's not designed for that. But I could write the Great American Novel on it, uh, at least to a degree. Actually, probably the Great American Short Story would be most likely, because there are size limits on these things. So... Maybe I could not put Game of Thrones, <laughs> at least write Game of Thrones, into the keypad using my Brilliant. But perhaps I could write a short story in there, you know, something that's, I don't know, 10,000 words, and then I'd be good to go. So it depends on what you're doing. If you want this for grocery lists, if you want it to take quick notes in a meeting, or particularly, like I said, if you want to read your books and check your time and date, kind of know what's going on around you in terms of the initial things you need to know. Like, okay, it's 1030 and my meeting's at 1115. You have the ability to do that quickly and easily. The Brilliant series does connect to Wi-Fi, but it's primarily for downloading books from resources such as Bookshare, NFB Newsline, and NLS. Although at this date, you cannot use audio through the brilliance. So there's no barred audiobooks, for instance. There's no access to those. You can get barred braille books, however. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Absolutely. You know, if you want to read a newspaper or an article, something like that, it's terrific for that. It's the type of thing that I could and will take on a plane with me and read. 
That's what I would do and love every second of it. Because as I said, it's very quiet. Your neighbor might ask you what it is, <laughs> but you know, it's not going to annoy them. If you know, I've, I've gotten into some pretty interesting conversations with your seatmate sitting there absolutely regarding mm-hmm. some of these types of equipment and they're curious you know they've never seen a braille display although i will say something which was kind of funny the one time i was going through tsa security and i had a braille note pk over my shoulder because i did a lot of gps stuff and that was one of the nicest little devices for gps so the guy pulls it out of my bag and he goes what is this and Another TSA agent runs over and goes, I know what that is. That's a Braille note taker. I saw one of those last week. (laughs) I thought it was really cool that the one said to the other one, he goes, oh, that's okay. Let it through type of thing. And um, he let it through, but he didn't know what it was. And the other guy did. I thought that was really fun. I think that's one of the most important things about taking these things out in public. I know I talk about this a lot, but. It's really true that this is kind of a step in advocacy, not only advocacy, but in teaching people through just having conversations that you're just doing something different than the way they're doing it. It's just a different type of piece of equipment that allows you to do something they take for granted and do every day. (laughs) And it's cool to get into conversations with people because they begin to realize that you have much more in common than you don't. And when you can have, like you said, the seatmate conversations, those one-on-one conversations with someone, they come away with a positive impression of this person who they met, who maybe they initially thought, oh, I don't know. (laughs) You know, and once they've talked to you, they kind of understand that you're out in the world kind of doing a lot of the same things they're doing. You're both living your lives. You're just doing something different. Maybe they come away with a better appreciation of both the differences, but also probably most importantly in this situation, the similarities. You have most things you can do without issue. I did want to step back a little bit for a minute and go back to the Braille display discussion. And one of the Braille displays that I used to have was the Braille Note Classic. And instead of a Braille keyboard, I got a QWERTY keyboard. And I thought it was cool because, you know, like you said earlier, my Braille isn't the greatest. I read it for checking phone numbers and, you know, spot checking some things from time to time. But my typing is so much faster on that Braille note. And in the incarnations of the Braille note, the QWERTY versions, I had a classic and I had an M power. I never had a QWERTY version of the Apex. And I really liked the fact that I was a faster typer than I was a faster Brailler. And I probably type faster than I Braille too these days. I don't mind Brailling stuff, but I probably actually type faster. I was thinking about that recently when I got my Brilliant 40. I thought, you know, I love this Perkins style keyboard. I'm glad I have a keyboard here, obviously, associated with my Braille display. Because that's another thing Braille displays didn't always have were keyboards. (laughs) So I had an old Brilliant, the first generation Brilliant, the Baum made, had one of those. And there were no keyboards associated. There were command keys, but no keyboards. You kind of have your preference as to how you type and how you read. There are people, they're probably the minority, but there are people like you who will prefer always to read with speech. So they want a speech-only device 
or they'll not worry about the braille on their device and strictly use the speech. More of us would rather have braille than speech. And then there's that group who like having both. So that can assist you in increasing your braille or just in kind of spot checking if you're using speech and braille or, you know, mostly relying on the speech, but occasionally using the braille. I mean, there's all kinds of ways you can do this with items and those note takers really allowed you to do it. And you can't do it with these new brilliance, for instance, there is no speech text to speech capability available to you, but that's another piece to learning to use braille displays. It's really kind of funny. When I used the Braille Lite, for example, I would turn off speech and I would use it strictly with Braille. So it really just depends on how lax you get sometimes when you're relying on the speech versus the Braille. I mean, I used to annoy my father because I would play <laughs> Hangman on the machine and because he couldn't hear it talk, he didn't know what I was doing. And it literally did annoy him because he didn't know what was going on on that machine. And I'm just sitting there playing hangman on my braille light. But back to the QWERTY stuff, I know I've seen people out there who are really gravitating to this mantis that APH has. And that is a QWERTY keyboard with a 40 cell braille display. It looks like a laptop with a braille display on the front. <laughs> I mean, that's essentially what it looks like. And you have the ability to obviously type using the QWERTY keyboard, but you have all the advantages available of the Braille display too in one single very lightweight device. So there are plenty of advantages to that for those who like that. So it's kind of a Q Braille and a QWERTY keyboard or device because you've got all of the functions that I like of the Q Braille, which is the command keys, F1 through F12, escape, control, arrow keys, and all that stuff. But it has a QWERTY keyboard instead of the Braille input keyboard. One thing to note while we're having the conversation about the Mantis, if you, like me, would consider a device like this and want to do a lot of book reading on it, here's a little note. <laughs> You cannot access barred Braille books via the Mantis. Barred is not an option for book reading services via that device. That's true. And barred the Braille books is an option on the Brilliance. new Brilliance. Yes. Absolutely. So Mantis, Chameleon, not options. Brilliant series, that's an option. So if you want barred Braille books, that is where you need to go if you want it for that specific reason. Speaking of books, I have a question for you. As someone who began reading Braille later, do you find that if you get lax in your Braille reading, does that skill, is it like riding a bike still? Like, does it immediately pop back in? Or do you have to work a little harder at it than those of us who have read for <laughs> our entire lives? I will never read a Braille book. You don't, want, can... to read, you don't want to read one of our MVP books? No. <laughs> okay. Because I will start it today. <laughs> And maybe five years from now, I'll <laughs> finish it, uh -huh. which kind of reminds me of a story when I was younger. We had these regents competency tests that we were supposed to, you know, read. Mm -hmm. And the first time I read the test in Braille, by the time I got done with the page, I forgot what I was even reading because it was a struggle. And needless to say, I failed that exam. 
and you needed those tests to graduate from high school. So the next time I took it, I had a substitute TVI and she was a really nice person. And she said, okay, I understand that your braille is very slow. So you can read the first page and I'll read the rest because that way we're not lying and saying you didn't read it. And needless to say, it was aced. So that's why you will never catch me reading a braille book. Depending on the size of braille display that you get, well, depending on how fast you can read that braille book, potentially. So while a 40 cell may be a great option to read, some people don't like 40 cells. They think they're too big. They're too cumbersome. And so those 32 cell braille notes were an option. And these little 20 cell braille displays are potentially another option. You just know that you have to pan more often using them. And one of my favorite 20 cell braille displays to read with is the Vario Ultra front bound. So that is an older display, but I still consider it the Mercedes. And I stole this from somebody. So if you were that person, I apologize for stealing this phrase from you from a mailing list. The Mercedes of braille displays. And the reason I think it is that is because it is metal hardware as opposed to plastic and it's just a very beautiful reading experience now it's a german-made braille display and it has twenty thousand ways of doing everything (laughs) and in some cases that is good and in some cases that is overwhelming particularly in the case of connectivity so while you can connect it with a whole bunch of different devices know that you may be struggling with that a bit just because it's hard to remember because of all the keys available on the device and because of all the ways there are to do things it may be a little more of a struggle. We do have documentation to assist you with that if you are a Vario owner and user, but that's just something to note about it. So sometimes with a display, you're going to have that happen. You're going to have either software that you like and hardware that you don't like so much or vice versa. Because we're really fortunate now in that there are a lot of Braille displays to choose from, if you have the finances to pick what you want, it really is good to go shopping virtually, of course, this stage of the game, and make sure that you're picking something you're going to like, because obviously I don't have to tell anyone these are investments. These are huge investments. Although we do now have more affordable options in the five, $600 range for things like the orbit readers, which because they are affordable, you're not going to get those nice, quiet, seamless hardware experiences. Like I was discussing earlier with the orbit, for instance, you hear it. I mean, it definitely makes sound, but okay. you have an affordable option. Right. You don't want to use that if you're hosting a radio show. Or if you're in class trying to read something out loud. That's probably I not think, your best bet. Yeah, but I think it's a little bit better in a class. It's more acceptable in a classroom than it would be if you were like a radio talk show host and you're sitting there reading your notes and it's making all kinds of noise throughout your your day. Yeah, but if you're going to, say, a religious organization doing a reading for a public ceremony, that's probably not acceptable. So you have to consider where you are and what you're doing to know whether or not something like that will work. Although I must say, for those of us and our poor friends and classmates who had to endure us using Perkins trailers in class, this thing would be soft compared to those. So here's to all those people. So it just kind of depends on what you want and what you do. But this was a conversation I kind of thought of earlier. And then, of course, Chris told me that Robert from The Tech Doctor and Allison had just done a podcast like this. So probably, guys, I swear I didn't mean to steal it (laughs) as something that 
would be a fun thing for us to discuss quickly because they really can come in not only for convenience in your life or for even giving you quote unquote equal access. You can save yourself like I did recently with my computer experience utilizing a braille display. So they're for business, they're for pleasure, they're certainly for education and enhancing braille literacy, but you know, there's tons of them now and at least tons as compared to what there once were. And you can kind of choose, hopefully, if you have the opportunity and the means again, what works best for you and your various life and work situations. So we hope someone has found this helpful and that you've enjoyed this particular discussion. We may not have mentioned your favorite Braille display because we have our favorites too. You know, we have things that we prefer to use ourselves as well. And so hopefully you find something that works great for you if you have not already. We will join you again in May. I don't know how that's possible, but it will be May when you see us again. We're, of course, looking forward to it. And we will be sharing that special announcement in the next podcast. And don't worry, Mystic Access isn't going anywhere. So if you've been someone who's worried about that, that's not a problem. That's not going to happen. So we will see you next time. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Bye. The preceding podcast is a presentation of Mystic Access, where the magic is in learning. If you are blind or visually impaired and desire to discover how our comprehensive products and services may support and empower your assistive technology journey, we welcome your visit at www.mysticaccess.com. Have a question or wish to place an order via phone? Call us at 716-543-3323. If you have something to share about this podcast episode, press 4 to reach our Mystic Access podcast comment line. Email us at info at mysticaccess.com. Connect with us on Twitter at twitter.com slash mysticaccess and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash mysticaccessempower. Would you like to spread the word about our podcasts? Your friends and colleagues may listen and subscribe at www.mysticaccesspodcast.com. If you enjoy our episodes, consider leaving us an iTunes rating and review. Your comments are greatly appreciated. Thanks for spreading the word, and thanks for being a listener. We hope you enjoyed this episode.